frankly, I, I can't risk that, you know, at, at, mm-hmm. time, at different seasons of your life. I'm not kind of the season of my life where like um, getting injured is just way too expensive. And actually, <laughs> not just dollars wise, I think it's, it's really more huh? the credits it costs me with the wife is, is not worth getting any kind of injury. So um, oh, that's good. It's, it's built in injury prevention right there at home. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think a lot of people go through this and I do work with a lot of recreational athletes too, where I can honestly say for you, the mind is still there though. You still want to compete at a reasonable level though. So the mind is there, but you're realizing that, yeah, my body does not respond or cannot execute things than what I remember 20 years ago or whatever it was. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Aloha everyone, I have an exciting episode this week and I am pleased to introduce Dr. Derek Takai. He is a very, very good dentist. He's actually my dentist and he's overcome a few injuries in the past five years or so from practicing jujitsu, but we share his experiences growing up playing sports, how he got into jujitsu and being a coach and also running his dental practice. We go over and discuss a lot of the similarities and overlapping theories and concepts when it comes to dental care and his line of work in the healthcare profession and also what I see on the movement side, exercise and rehab standpoint. So there's a lot of interesting topics that we go over, a lot of good discussions and let's jump straight into it and stay tuned for this episode. So we welcome this week, Dr. Derek Takai, who is actually my dentist, a very, very good dentist. And he has a lot of experience to share when it comes to sports, coaching, and even just overcoming injuries, and especially doing all of the recreational things that you still like to do. And that's what we're going to talk about a lot today. But welcome and thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So how's everything going with the COVID-19 situation? Um, challenging, challenging and interesting. You know, everybody's getting, uh, used to this, the, the new normal. Um, and, uh, and right now at May 1st, uh, with the, the, uh, you know, the recommendations getting changed and, and things lifting a little bit, especially for, uh, elective care things, um, elective healthcare things, dentistry included. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to get through that and work through that, um, to keep things as safe as possible for the patients and, and us, you know, so some definite challenges ahead, but, uh, we're, we're working through it. Yes. And I think this is a learning experience for everybody and figuring out how to, how to manage the next upcoming months and still, you know, do all the things that you're doing with dentistry, but also for me with exercise training and all of that. Let's dive in a little bit to your background. And you are a Punahou alum too. And your background, what what was it like growing up and what kinds of sports did you play as a child and high school student? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 93 grad at Punahou and uh, played uh, football, um, paddled and wrestled. Um, 
and those were those were the activity activities I liked. How has that evolved through the years? Because when so I met you when you got injured, unfortunately, doing jujitsu. <laughs> And I know that's a big part of your life. And how has that evolved, like, from being an athlete in high school? And just how did you get into jujitsu? And what other things do you like to do because of that sports background? Um, So I got into jujitsu pretty early on. Um, um, At the time, you know, the UFC just just started. And, and, uh, and you you know, I think all of us that were watching this kind of MMA thing um, uh, were just floored, you know, seeing this guy doing jujitsu that nobody, you know, knew anything about. And, and so I kind of got interested in that. Um, at that time, uh, you know, the, the wrestling was stopping for me. And so um, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed wrestling. I enjoyed doing that kind of stuff, um, you know, the kind of contact sports things. So uh, jiu-jitsu kind of was like, then if wrestling's stopping, then why don't I do that? You know, um, I had some friends that were doing classes at the UH, you know, it's bring 10 bucks. And so I was, okay, let's go, you know, and, uh, and then followed that up when I went up to UW, uh, just found another, another place there. So started with house in, in Hawaii and then, um, with, uh, another place, Marcel Alonso and, uh, and Matt Hume, uh, while I was up in Washington. And then, oh, I see. So you, yeah. you started jujitsu when you were in college. I started actually, um, yeah, it was, it was like the summer going to college. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, a couple, me and a couple of friends went to the UH, you know, the word, word on the street was, Hey, there's this guy, he's a Gracie and he's doing it at the UH. You just bring 10 bucks. And, uh, that's literally what we did. We just went down there with surf trunks and a t-shirt and 10 bucks and joined the class, you know, and, and that, and, and from the first class, it was just like, okay, this is, this is awesome. You know? Yeah. And I kind of hooked from there. Um, and then, so it went from, I, I pretty much loved football and I mean, I enjoyed wrestling, but then the love affair with the, the jujitsu really started to take on there. And this goes way back then. I didn't even realize that you were doing jujitsu that long, but that has obviously grown to become a big part of your life. And I mean, it's, it's to the point where, like you said, you don't want to compete or anything, but you know, it is something that you really like to do and it keeps you physically fit and everything. So kind of walked how that has evolved over the past years and where, where it is today for you. Um, yeah, the, the the love affair with the jujitsu is is just it's always been there. I mean, in different times in my life, I've I've had I've been more busy, say, with the coaching, so less jujitsu then. Um, it, it's it's really not been a um, constant something. It's more like it peaks at certain times and then it ebbs and flows away. Um, back when I was coaching a ton, um, when I first moved back to Hawaii, it was. Like it was like half the year I was doing football and half the year I would be able, I would have the time to do jujitsu. And then um, when the kids came along uh, early on, you know, when, when they were just babies, it was, there was little time to do anything, you know? Um, uh, but um, now that I've, kind of, I've, I've stepped away from the coaching um, and, and, and the boys are older, um, the jujitsu has definitely increased, but the, things are always changing, you know, like um, the body just, 
the body is wickedly different than when uh, I was in college. And, and now the injuries uh, seem to come on just like, it's ridiculous. You know, it's just it's frustrating. And, um, and then even the training, like, like, uh, like, like competing and things like that, that's, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, uh, um, fooling yourself into thinking you're going to compete for something like that. And I, and I just, frankly, I, I can't risk that, you know, at, at, mm-hmm. time, at different seasons of your life. I'm not kind of the season of my life where like um, getting injured is just way too expensive. And actually, not just dollars wise, I think it's, it's really more huh? the credits it costs me with the wife is, is not worth getting any kind of injury. So, um, oh, that's good. It's, it's built in injury prevention right there at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people go through this and I do work with a lot of recreational athletes too, where I can honestly say for you, the mind is still there though. You still want to compete at a reasonable level though. So the mind is there, but you're realizing that, yeah, my body does not respond or cannot execute things than what I remember 20 years ago or whatever it was. I mean, things happen now, like, you know, I've now, I've now popped or, or displaced two ribs, you know, doing things that are, you, know, you, you just shake your head at him and go like, what, what, that, that rib popped out because of that, you know, like, are you kidding? Um, my, my knee um, that we're, we're probably going to share about, um, I, you know, tore my ACL um, my toes got stuck in, in, in someone's pant legs and it was, I mean, it wasn't that violent of a move. It was actually pretty slow and, and the ligaments just popped, you know, and, and it's just frustrating. It's like that, this is ridiculous what's going on. And, but, um, like, like you're saying the mind, my mind knows and thinks I can do certain things, but it feels like the connective tissues no longer can support that kind of thought process or like, you know, that desire like to move this or to survive that. Um, the, the, the connective tissues just can't keep up. The, the, the strength feels like, I mean, that's, that's definitely down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the, I don't feel like that's the limiting factor. I feel like the connective tissues are. Yes. And, it's good that, and we will dive into that right now, your, your injuries that you sustained, because that's how I first got to work with you. Um, first, it was your ankle sprain. That was, I would say, pretty severe. You had a medial, uh, medial ankle sprain, your deltoid ligament, and your foot was just ballooned up. And then years later, like you said, how many years has it been? Maybe three years, two years yeah, since you tore? Three years after that, you know, then I tore my ACL. You tore your ACL. And... First, let's go over the ankle sprain. I mean, something like that too. I think it makes you realize that, you know what? I still do need my ankles, my feet and everything, even though I'm doing grappling and groundwork and jujitsu. And just coming back from those kind of things, you start to pay attention to, okay, how do I get stronger? But also how do I prevent future injuries? Yeah. So going through, let's start with the ankle sprain first. Is there anything that really stuck out to you that you learned through that process? And I liked how you said that, these injuries, they're frustrating, but that's usually something that every athlete or individual that sustains these injuries, they have to overcome that frustration too. So is there anything through that process that you thought, hey, you know what, I got good insight or got something to take home from this that has helped me in the future? 
Yeah, I mean, every every time I've gone in with you, um, I've learned a couple things, and and um, the number one thing I've learned from you is that um, until you start moving the body part like you're supposed to be moving, you're you're not going to see um, you know meaningful healing, or it's going to delay your healing. I I always thought it was the other way around. Like I'll just you know. Uh, I'm walking in looking just like a like a train wreck, you know, because I think like, oh, I just don't want to move it every time I put it here or something, it hurts. And and and, and I think like that's gonna make it heal faster. And I've learned from you like that's backwards. You need to, you know, start to stand up straight instead of hunched over. Yes. You know, looking ridiculous. Um and and so I've learned that it's been reinforced over and over. And then, uh, you know, I've learned, uh, um, you know, strength recovery is, is, is pivotal in, in all of it, you know, and, and not only that, I found, um, it, it was therapeutic too. You know, I would come in, I would, I would go to work with my ankle all busted up and, and because it was in, you know, this dependent position below me, you know, um, I would just feel it swelling through the day. And I would just like be dying to get into you and, and, and just go through the exercises of, of strength and strength training and, and mobility. And that would make it feel so much better. I mean, the swelling would actually go down. Um, and, and, you know, I thought at first before meeting you, like, um, oh, they're, you know, just going to put it in an ice bath or something and just sit there and I don't know. And, you know, just do these certain things. So, and it's gonna get better. Um, and and then we kind of did that, except <laughs> you put these electrodes on me, and then uh, so the foot's in, in in the water bath, but getting shocked. Yes, we use we use the ARP, and for those that haven't experienced the ARP, it's a very very strong electrical stem device. And I I, I know there was um some yelling. Probably some uh, profanity directed towards me, but in the end, it, it all helped. But that's exactly right. I think the one take-home message from this is that people need to start to get to move back to normal. The more that we compensate, you actually, you kind of work around the restrictions and you end up putting more stress into the damaged tissue because you think that you're able to do stuff, but you're really not utilizing your muscles and mechanically moving how you should. And that'll stress the damaged tissue more. And it'll also create bad movement patterns, which will affect other areas. So that was one thing that's very pivotal is when people get to move better, they start to notice that, yeah, progress is starting to improve. Now that's not saying to move normally and there's all pain because really you just got to back off the activity and understand what is tolerable at that stage in the game and the strengthening like you said you've you've overcome so many injuries and the strengthening has been very crucial so talk about a little bit let's get into the acl because this is something good for everyone to hear because you actually prehabbed your acl and you put off surgery and we've had several maybe a handful of conversations as mm -hmm. to what to anticipate what kinds of recommendations to you know, should you get the surgery? Should you just live without it and all of that? So what's some of your, your short explanations of what you experienced with the ACL? Um, okay. So, um, I saw multiple, um, orthopedic surgeons, um, 
and and they all pretty much Daryl included in the who who I whose opinion I really value value um, being that he's a close friend and everything. But um, you know they were they were pretty adamant about like you should try and see if you can just live with the injury um, and see how that goes. There was there was one surgeon who who pretty much did not believe in that. He 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 was saying you know you need to get back to original anatomy as quick as you can but but basically it didn't matter because i needed to wait on the surgery because of work i needed to wait for a time period where i could actually do the surgery and not have it disrupt the practice uh so um i ended up uh trying to see if i could live with the injury um i couldn't it affected uh wrestling was 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 out of the question and and surfing was really unstable so um, I said, no, this, this is not doable, leaving it like this. If all I wanted to do was walk in a straight line or even just jog in a straight line, then yeah, okay. But that's not my level of activity that I was willing to, to, um, to accept. So uh, the surgery was planned in December. And like you're saying, um, I bought into the whole prehab, you know, um, and, um, and I did that because not because I wanted to, you know, compete or anything like that it was just I needed to get my surgery done and get back into the office mm -hmm. by a certain date and and the best way to do that was to everybody was telling me yourself included of you know do the prehab get yourself as strong as you can as ready as you can before the surgery um, I think the words you told me were if you if you can get to a point where it feels like man I don't even know if I need the surgery and then you do the surgery that's that's the best um, and so that's that's where I, I really took that to heart and 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 um, you know tried to come in for as much prehab as possible to to get myself ready for that you know and I I think it helped a lot. You know? Yeah, I definitely I saw a lot of improvement and even after the surgery, things were so much better. And anytime you have surgery, there's going to, it's huge trauma that's going on in your knee and your muscles and everything. But the stronger that you are going into it, I think that drop off is reduced a little bit it's still going to be you're starting from you know almost ground zero but if you can give yourself any of a head start that really helps your progress and rehabbing but so for the acl share a little bit about how it's been going we did rehab but really the goal was to get you back to work and functioning as best as you can and how, how has it been now and are you able to do all of the activities that you want to yeah um so after the surgery happened, um, you know, I, I came in and did the, the, the rehab and, and that was going really well. I, it, it helped tremendously. You know? um, I, I think I remember telling you like the day after the surgery, I'm coming in, I'm going to start my rehab and, and you kind of smiled and said, yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> I remember calling you the next day after and I, and, and I said, I don't, I don't think I'm going to make it, <laughs> you know? And then when I did come in, again, I was kind of hunched over on crutches, acting all crazy, and, and you, see, you, you filmed me and took pictures. I don't know if you're going to put that up. <laughs> but um, um, that was ridiculous. And, and, uh, and you know, again, I was reinforced that the, the sooner you start acting normal and, and standing normal and walking, trying to you know, as best mm -hmm. you can, it helped a ton. Um, the rehab was important. It did a lot for me. Um, and, and, uh, 
the thing is though, I got to a certain point and and it was um, like my wife was was like, hey, you know, you you need to help out with the kids. You can't go to rehab every day like this. It's so disruptive to the family. You can work, and that's enough, you know. And uh, and I wanted to do some more, uh, but she had a point. Um, I needed to get back to doing my part, and and uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of fathers out there in your practice that are gonna have the same situation. And you know, you'd like to do more rehab and get to a certain point, but you just can't. Um, as far as it is now, um, I do everything that I want to do. I'm back on the mats. I, I can surf. Um, there was a, a period of, of, of like getting, getting confidence back into the, you know, the knee and, and wondering if I could do it. Um, uh, when I stopped doing the rehab with you, um, a little while after that, I was, uh, my, my son started up with Kenny Patton and uh, doing that. And, um, I started doing things like that with them um, and, and doing workouts with them. And that, I think, um, helped out a lot. And I remember talking to you about some of my problems there because um, I felt like I had strength in the joint um, and in the leg. Actually, I felt like my right leg was stronger. My, my damaged mm-hmm. leg was stronger than my other leg. And, and I was telling you, I have more problems with the, the, the good leg, if you will, than I do with the, the damaged one. And, and it was all about um, explosiveness. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't move off of the legs, you know? I could hold these poses for a good time, but I, I couldn't jump or, or sprint out of it. It felt super awkward and, and, and weak, and like it couldn't handle the load. Um, but that's, that's changed now, and I'm, I'm pretty much back at it, you know? And, and no limitations. I don't think of the knee, really. Um, and I've got pretty much all the, the mobility back. Um, I can't sit on my heels. Um, so there are some parts of my jujitsu game that has changed, but, um, it's nothing I can't. Yes. And I think that's, that's good to hear your experience because, and, and just for the record, so when you were uh, limping in that first day or two or a week, the 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 point I wanted to make was that you didn't believe me that you looked terrible walking, so I had to show you what you look like walking. So I don't usually film my clients and and to show them to to laugh or anything, but at that point it was pretty it was pretty bad. Um, but I do encourage everyone that has surgery to get into rehab as quickly as possible. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you had your surgery on a Friday. So usually I do see patients the day after or two days following, but I knew for the weekend and you know everything that you would go through and everything, it really didn't matter if you came in Saturday or you came in on Monday. So that first week, it was... It was a little rough, but you did have surgery. But after that, yeah, things went pretty smoothly. And I think for everyone else listening in, it's understanding that first you need to just develop that activation and that strength. That's so key for any injury. Then after you have strength, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to do functional things or do faster paced things because you have to build up that speed gradually. And for you, I I can honestly say you have done it a lot of it was on your own, you know, you started to progress the speed, started to progress the intensity of things. And yeah, before you know it, like what you said, 
the confidence came back and then you started to be, you know, you forgot about the knee. You forgot that you had ACL surgery. And that's really where you want to be when you start to return back to whatever your sport of choice is. Because if you're always thinking about the knee, that's going to, one, that's going to be very taxing mentally, but it's also going to make you probably move in ways that you're not normally going to move in because you're so worried about how you're moving that knee or protecting that knee. So you want to develop all of this confidence and strength and power and everything when you're rehabbing back from any ACL injury. Um, On that note, because you've been through a lot with training, with sports, with injuries, and of course you being a dentist and my dentist, I think it's always um, good conversations when we see each other. And there's a lot of overlap. I know that I'm not claiming to know anything about dentistry or anything about the mouth. In fact, I told you one time that I was the person in college that probably had TMJ because I couldn't open my mouth like beyond two fingers width. And I was in athletic training school at the time. And then my goal was to, oh, just force my mouth open. And after a week of doing that, I had extreme pain and I was like, I better stop doing this. So it actually resolved by itself. But I think when it comes to dentistry and sports medicine, training, exercise rehab there's a lot of overlap with concepts and even how we attack certain problems so kind of going over that i want to just touch base on certain things and thinking about what you do as a dentist how important is like your daily maintenance and daily hygiene and what do you see with all of your patients i guess Because I see a lot of things that it relates to when it comes to training and rehab that you need to do things on a daily basis in order for you to achieve healthy care, I guess, or healthy performance. But what can you add about that, the daily hygiene and daily maintenance? Um, Well, yeah, there's the, the, the crossover in a lot of, you know, um, uh, health sciences is, is always going to be there. And, and this uh, this attitude of or this concept of um, you're born with certain things that either are perhaps protective or perhaps risk factors. Um, so your genetics, what I'm saying is genetics is is one component, um, uh, and then and then what you do uh, or, or how you behave um, uh, is going to be another 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 factor. And so if you're talking about what are um, what are the, the daily things that you're going to do, and and what what role are they going to play in your your outcomes? Um, in dentistry, it's just as huge um, as as I'm sure it is for as as we know it is for for, um, for sports sciences. Um, and um, uh, if if you're not willing to put in the daily effort, it's going to have negative uh, consequences, and you're going to have um, less than optimal. Uh, outcomes um, that you know brush twice a day two minutes floss your teeth um, fluoride applications which are are daily topical fluoride applications uh, with either your toothpaste or a mouth rinse all those kinds of things that everybody kind of goes oh gosh here he goes again um, you know it's it's the same and 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 uh, um, I, I wish there were ways around it you know, if you want to um, have a, a healthier body, 
then you need to move. If you want a healthier mouth, then you need to do some things and, and you, you have to put the effort in. Uh, you, can, you can eat through any kind of, um, you know, or, 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 uh, or, or lack of care. You can, you can, you know, just get through any kind of protective mechanisms that you might be born with. Um, and, and that's just the facts, you know, um, unfortunately for us. Um, fortunately, it also works the other way around, that if you put the time and effort in, you can overcome certain um, risk factors that you have. Um, and, and that's the good news, you know, that we can, we can have um, an effect on, on the outcomes that, that, that come towards us. So if you yes. put the time in, yeah, uh, in, in dentistry, it's just the same. Yes, there's a lot of overlap. And I think for just daily hygiene, especially when it comes to dental care, it becomes part of people's routine. It's not something that, I don't know, you just ignore or forget about. It actually becomes part of your routine. And I know it's it's something like, I actually have a question. So for me, it's always been like this. I always brush my teeth. I floss daily. Um, I only floss once a day. I could probably do twice, but I floss once a day at least. And it's part of my routine. But I know it's something that you say all the time, at least when I come in, you check, you know, how my daily hygiene has been and my routine. But in the clinic, how many people don't floss daily that you see? Yeah, it's the majority, actually. The majority yes. do not. Um, and, um, you know, we try. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, the, the process of, of adequately cleaning your teeth and your mouth, um, it takes time and effort and dexterity, you know? Um, and a lot of people, it's, that's a challenge. And that's not a judgment. You know, I, I always try to tell my patients, look, I'm, I'm not here to, to pass judgment. Um, I'm here to work with you, you know? And, and, um, and don't, so don't take anything I say with, as, as like scolding or judging. Um, that's far from it. I'm here to work with you. And, and I understand, I get it. Um, it. It's a challenge and to get people to consistently do things. Cause what we'll get is people that come in, you know, they, 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 they get a cleaning done and they go, wow, my gosh, that was, that was um, okay. That I, I need to do better. And then for the next month or two, um, they're pretty on it and then it kind of falls off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next time we see them, it's, it starts the cycle all over again. Uh, I'm sure, in fact, I know that that's got to be similar for you. Um, most of us all have done things like worked out and been really on it, and then and then you fall off for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, diet, same thing. Um, you and I have had that discussion. Yes. You know, diet, you can have this great diet, uh, but it's not sustainable because you're, you're, you're not going to behave like that for the rest of your life. And then yes. so what are, what, really what are you doing? Yeah. And, and that kind of goes into, you know, I've, I've taught you and I've talked about, um, you know, flossing. People ask me all the time, oh, what floss should I use? What toothbrush should I use? I'm so like, I, I'm, I'm not even at that point. I'm just trying to convince people to brush their teeth twice a day for two minutes. Um, I don't care what you're using so much. Once we get to that point, then we can start talking about, okay, if you want to have a better, you know, outcome, okay, this brush is better than that one, electric. You know, use an electric toothbrush. Um, floss. What floss? I don't care. Just floss. You know, 
um, when, the one that you like the most that you'll use consistently because you like it, I'm all for that. You know, if we get to a level where it's like, okay, I've been doing it, I've, I've got it. Um, which one should I use? Okay, we can talk about that, and it may have a, a little bit of a difference. But really, I'm I'm still at the battle with with most of the public, um, or I should say, with my patients. So, of I just need you to to, to brush twice a day. <laughs> you know, and if we can get there, okay. Yes, and I there's so so many overlapping points here, and just like what you said, I I'm all for that, and it's all about working with people. You know, not placing judgment, just working with them. One thing that I will say, everything that you just mentioned about the flossing, mm-hmm. what I relate this to in my field or my my facility is probably like stretching and mobility work. It's probably mm-hmm. very similar because it's something that it's not, it's like, it does provide benefit. Most people know that it provides benefit, but to actually take the time and it does take some, some effort mm-hmm. and some flexibility and all of this to do it well. I think there's a lot of overlap with mobility work is just like flossing. It's super, not the most flashy thing or exciting thing, but a lot of people don't do it yet. It'll make a big difference, you know? So there's a lot of overlap when it comes to training philosophies and also just daily hygiene or dental care. Another one that you have talked to me about that I, I constantly hear because as a kid, my teeth were so crooked it was like world's crookedest teeth. It was just like all growing behind each other, you know, in front of each other. And I had to have braces, obviously, and then extract some teeth. But alignment, that is huge in dental care. And I know for me, like some of my teeth do tend to start to shift because me being, I guess, not the most compliant, I'm not wearing a retainer or anything. But what can you say about alignment? Because in the field of exercise and training alignment and posture is everything but in in dentistry too what how important is alignment it's it's massively important um you know uh when the birth of invisalign and all of these clear aligners um um clear correct and all and all of those any of those uh concepts you know um being being brought to the masses and 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 people getting interested in orthodontics uh, not so much as adolescents, but as adults, you know, this just the, the birth of orthodontics almost all over again, interest. Um, you know, the, the topic of orthodontics always comes up, but most people, when they come in, they are interested in orthodontics because it'll look nicer. Okay. I always tell people like that, that is on my list of things that are important because it's important to the patient. Um, straight teeth look nicer, it's aesthetically pleasing. But when I look at my list, it is probably the fifth one down, you know, it's, um, when I think of, of, of uh, straight teeth, what I see is um, you load the teeth correctly. Um, they can withstand uh, or have a better chance of long-term use if they're in the right spot, performing the right action. Teeth have a shape and a form, not just because of random things, but because they can do things better and, and they can do what we call mutually protect each other. Um, for example, molars are flat tables and they can withstand vertical loading and stop your vertical load. Um, when you clench your teeth together, they should take up that load and, and be able to withstand it. Conversely, your front teeth 
are will, are very poorly adapted to do something like that. They are blades, and and when two blades come together, if you have to stop uh, a vertical crush from using blades, it, you're you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, your canines, their cones, uh, these cones, and they're long. Um, when you slide left to right, the canines are actually positioned in the corners so that when you slide to the left and right, the canines engage each other, and because they're cones. They don't take on this flush blow, it's kind of glancing blows. And so they start to have the mouth open up. And so uh, your, your big molars, your teeth in the back, they're not scraping by each other. The canines force the mouth open so the teeth open up and clear each other. So when you slide left and right, you don't have these you know, grinding moments of just the teeth going past each other. So um, you know, th there's, there's a lot of, a massive amount of, orthodontics to me in my head when I see patients I'm constantly fixing things that are either um, in, in one or two worlds one of them being um, engineering problems loading problems it's the tooth's broken the tooth chipped I you know this or that or it's worn down and I'm battling that world the other world I, I live in is, is bacterial driven but really the orthodontics plays to both not only on the engineering side but on the bacterial side, because if you have massive crowding, it is impossible sometimes to keep clean. Um, and, and how can I go in there and, and help you if I've got a situation where it's difficult for us to clean, let alone for you to clean it, you know? So it, what hope do you have if we don't have proper form and alignment? Um, it's, it's massively important and, and a place that I will often start with when we have something like a full month rehab. I'll, I'll say, okay, you want to get to here. Um, we should consider, you know, setting the, the playing field correctly and then move from there. You know, um, it's, it's, a, it's a very important thing yes. that um, crosses over well. I think... Every and we've never talked about this before. So everything that you said, literally, if I changed out the instead of being for your teeth, I just changed out the wording to be for exercise, movement, and performance. It all works the same, especially when your body is aligned properly. You're going to withstand so much more load, and you're going to get so much more out of training methods. You'll be able to perform things at a higher level. But it all starts with that alignment. And like you said, I think the big take-home message that I like is that everything, all your teeth, they should work together, yeah? They should mutually support each other. And that's exactly how the body goes. Because if you think back to your ACL, it's like, I didn't only just focus on your quad and your hamstring. It was everything. You need to, your, every joint has a part in your entire body and it has a job to do. When one joint does not do what it's supposed to, other areas need to make up for that. And it's usually not in a good way. And it starts to lower your performance and helps and starts to make you more at risk for injury. So that kind of philosophy, making sure that every single part of your body or every single tooth is responsible and can do their job and withstand their function, that's crucial. And I think there's so many overlapping things there. And even like how you said, it makes it harder to clean if you know you have malalignment issues. You also can get you know, pain, other bacterial stuff. You can get neurocompression types of, you know, 
aches and pains and it's the same thing for orthopedics too like if you're not in alignment something is going to break down and it's going to lead to become problematic whether that's a neural compression injury whether that's a ligamentous or tendinous injury there's so many things that can arise and it all just goes back to basic function and the last thing that i like that you said was that yes most people care about the aesthetics. You know, I think, especially in my profession, most people are like, I want to look like this. I want to get to this weight. I want to have this body composition. And I am, I'm taking that into consideration because I know it's important. But as far as, yes, as far as the priority list of what kinds of things will get you there and keep you there, there's so many other things above there that if you can do this well, you can move well, train better, you're going to reach all of the aesthetic goals and everything will kind of work hand in hand. But there's the bottom line that I want to share is that there's so many things like even in this short segment, there's so many things that you can assess, you can look at that, you know, the average person that goes to visit the dentist, we're not aware of, right? And you can see how all of the listeners can see how intricate and some of the details and all of these, how you're making everything work together to determine what's the best treatment for that patient. And it's the same thing when it comes to exercise. It's just that most people don't go for routine movement checkups, right? But when I'm looking at someone, it's very similar. Like I'm looking at all of these things, like how come this is not doing its job? Why isn't this working together? Why are you experiencing some tightness here? Why do you move in certain ways when are you trying to get around certain areas of pain or issues and things like that and all of those kind of things help to decide what my treatment plan is or exercise plan is for them so that we get you functioning as best as possible and i think that's why it's good to get any type of checkup i mean whether that's dental care physicals movement assessments orthopedic screens all of these things kind of work hand in hand and really help you to lower injury risk but also help you to perform better in the long run yeah. Yeah. That's that. That. Um. What you're speaking to is basically that. Um. You, you know, you have to have the right approach or the right plan or the right treatment, um, or the right preventative um 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 program uh to suit the challenges that are specific to you. You know. Um. So we might have people that like for dentistry. You know, you have certain people that. Uh, it really it comes down to bacterial challenges. They, all of their problems are kind of occurring because of these bacterial problems, you know. And and there's it's not just how they clean. It's it's a lot of it. There's genetics that come into that. And and there's there's you know uh, the the first types of bacteria that's receded in their mouth um, when they were children, you know, um, when they were just an infant. Um, those kinds of things are already set. And and you've got to have a certain plan for that kind of patient. As opposed to the other patient who's totally engineering challenged, you know, um, they don't have cavities. They don't come in because of infections or cavities or things like that. But they come in consistently breaking teeth. Um, their their teeth. Uh, if you just look at them, they you go, whoa, this this, this doesn't. This guy's a, a honking, you know, strapping man, and and he's got teeth that are very tiny. Um, no wonder he keeps breaking them. And he grinds his teeth at night. Okay, your plan for that guy is going to be completely different from this guy, mm-hmm. and and it should be. If it's not, you're not doing the job, you know. And and you're go- you're not going to have a lot of success if you, if you treat this guy with like you just got to keep things clean. Really, that I've I've been doing that, you know. And and I keep breaking stuff. Um, 
and 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 conversely, his streaming plan wouldn't work for this guy. Like, hey, just wear a night guard, and and you gotta you know be careful. You know, it's it's really what you're speaking to. It, yeah, again, crossover. Um, you you need to come in. You need to take a look, and 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 uh, we come up with a plan. You know, that's gonna be effective for you. Yes, that's that's so important, and we could go back and forth. But there's so many overlap, overlapping theories and concepts of about how to treat patients and come up with this individualized plan. The other thing that you're talking about too is that a lot of this is focusing on the preventative stuff, which I feel, especially in this day and age, is kind of it becomes problematic. Then we're going to start to address things that we should have been doing long time ago, which unfortunately that's kind of how the medical field and the world is you know, working. But a lot of these things, if you can instill some of the preventative techniques and strategies, it will save a lot of time and money in the long run. And one of the things that we have talked about, you know, in passing is nutrition, because I do nutrition coaching. And nutrition is one of those things too, that I think people don't really know to pay attention, I guess, to nutrition until it becomes like problematic. Like when a healthcare professional or someone is actually telling them, okay, you got to make some changes or lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but nutrition, what I want to say about that is because exactly to what you're speaking, there's probably a lot of influences of nutritional habits and lifestyle habits that come up and kind of portray itself in dental care or dental issues per se. And what can you see with some of that, you know, like the overlap, like, I know you're not a nutritionist, not a dietitian or anything. And it's not something that we usually talk about, but you can see how some of the correlations affect even things like dental care. Yeah, I mean, uh, for for us in our world, like, again, yeah, you're right, I'm not a nutritionist, um, and, and can't speak to that. But we can definitely uh, tell you that, um, you know, fermentable carbohydrates are what cause dental problems um now do i go around telling everybody like you need to stop eating all fermentable carbohydrates absolutely not because i'm not even going to do that you know that's that's uh, not realistic and i don't think something that um people are interested in um and nor will they keep that up for long periods of time um uh and but i can definitely tell you that um you know when we have people that are bacterially challenged um, cavities and plaque and, and uh, or, or gum disease. Um, it's all from um, bacteria that thrive on fermentable carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you can make changes there, um, it can help. Uh, things, things, though, that I try to tell people is like, that doesn't mean you have to stop or swear off all sugars. You know, I, I try to concentrate and I think you, you, you've touched on this before. I try to concentrate on things that can fit into people's lifestyles. Um, I tell them, like, look, I'm not telling you to stop eating sugars, but if you're going to choose something, there are better choices to make that you might find, like, hey, I can do that. Um, for example, like, I tell people it doesn't, it doesn't mean uh, for, uh, coffee. Let's say coffee. That's a good one. Um, now, some people like to put cream in their coffee. Well, that's a fermentable carbohydrate if you don't know. Um, or, or even worse, if they're putting some kind of sugar, sweetener, honey. It's all, to me, just a fermentable carbohydrate. And coffee I bring up as a good one because what do most people do with their coffee? They don't sit there and chug it down all in one swoop. 
they typically sip it over the course of their workday, or I should say the morning up until lunch. But that is a, a, a very long time to have uh, fermentable carbohydrate introduced into the bowel um, consistently, you know, sip over, 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 over and again um, until lunchtime. Um, that I just tell them, look, can you try to drink it more and just, you know, like enjoy it quickly, you know, and not sip it. It's, it's kind of like um, having a candy bar. I'd rather you eat a Snickers bar then grab a bag of Skittles and enjoy the bag of Skittles throughout the whole day. Uh, the sugar presentation to the mouth is, is going to be quite different, even though even if the, the Snickers bar has more sugar, it's in there once and it's gone. Um, if you do the, Snick, uh, the Skittles, bag, you'll see a spike or a drop in the, the pH or, or acidity um, increases with every time you eat one of those Skittles. So it's just things like that, like, saying to the, the person, like, your diet choices, um, there are smarter things to choose. And, and, it, and can, you can find that, okay, I can do that. And, and it can make a big difference. Yes. And that's, that's exactly right. With nutrition or with any type of lifestyle change, there's always, it's a spectrum of choices. It doesn't have to be so black and white. And that's how I coach all of my clients too. It's not giving up something and completely going cold turkey because in the end, that's not going to be sustainable, like you said. But nutrition is one of those things that's, it's not only, so you see things on the dentistry side, but it's really integrated into every aspect of your life. And that's what I coach all my clients on. What you choose to do and what is you know feasible realistic for you to do it has effects on you know dental care it has effects on how you train it has effects on social life it has effects on all these different areas and i think that's that's something that people should be aware of when it comes to nutrition whether we're paying attention to it or not everyone has lifestyle things or aspects that influence our nutritional choices i remember one time when I think you were at the clinic actually, and you probably, and this is when I was still kind of knee deep in my nutrition education and everything. And you probably said one of the most profound things that I've heard you say, and it was about wasting food. I think you said someone when you were young and I'll let you uh, explain this a little further, but you said something like we've all grown up in Hawaii, especially I grown up grew up like that too where it's like finish everything on your plate you don't want to waste food don't throw away anything and basically what you said was if you think about it even if you force yourself to eat eat everything on your plate beyond to the point where you're full like you're stuffed now you're still gonna waste it it's just in a different way because your body can't use it so you're still putting it into waste it's just not in the form of throwing it away in the trash can but that was one of the most like puts things into perspective. So try to explain that a little bit. Yeah. Well, um, you know, my, my, my dad, uh, used to say to us, you know, um, his grandfather who who couldn't speak much English, uh, used to say to him, uh, eat tomorrow. You don't know if there's food, you know? And, and so, uh, it, it was that, you know, I got brought up in that as, as many of us have in this, this idea of like, are you kidding? Like, eat, finish all the food on your plate, you know? Um, and, and I was telling you that that was getting into a lot of trouble because I was not only doing it for myself, but at the time I had two little boys and they wouldn't finish all their food. So then I would be the one finishing their food and it was 
doing damage, you know? And, uh, and uh, I kind of came to that revelation um, um, that, yeah, you know what? If you think about it, you're wasting it either way because I can't, my body can't use it. I'm just damaging myself by wasting it, by eating it and, and, and then, you know, storing it up as fat. And, and so I basically said to myself, like, you're wasting it either way. So why don't you just do waste it in the healthy way, which is um, throw it away or, or try to, you know, save it for later or things like that. But, you know, just don't, don't feel like you're, you're, you're not wasting by eating it. That's, that's, that's the wrong Yes, that is definitely true. And I mean, we could go on nutrition might be a whole nother topic or episode, but there's a lot of things that nutrition provides to that we we often just overlook throughout the day. But if anyone knows one thing to take away about nutrition is like, just understanding that, you know, you don't have to eat all of the food all the time. It actually does more harm than good, especially when I talk about nutrition, it throws off a lot of things hormonally with your with your hunger cues and all of these kind of things beyond just gaining weight. So it's something that we should be aware of. We're aware of for sure. Um, I know you're super busy, so we'll start to wrap up soon, but I do want to get some tips because every time we talk, it's some good conversation and you have a lot of experiences. So on that note, is there anything, and you know, you run a successful practice and everything you've coached Punahou football, like you've mentioned, mm-hmm. and you do jujitsu and are raising your two kids. Is there anything else that a coach or mentor or one of your role models growing up, or even to this day has really shared with you that helped you to succeed? And, you know, it might even stick with you to this day, but is there anything that has really helped you to get to where you are at this point? Um, sure. I'll probably share, uh, what I believe is, is probably the most important lesson I've learned. And that is that, um, um, it's a totally off topic, but that is that, uh, the quality of your life will be directly proportional to the quality of your communication skills. Uh, first and foremost, communication with yourself. Um, uh, I constantly tell my sons, be careful of the lies you tell yourself because you will easily believe them and then, then you'll turn them into truths. So the quality of your communication skill, and I say skill, by the way, because it is something that you learn and you can improve on. Um, so the quality of your life is directly proportional to the, the, uh, the quality of your communication skills. First and foremost, with yourself. Second, with those that you love um, and, and, and choose to spend your time with. Um, if, if you, and I say them second, because if you can't answer questions for yourself, like what do you really want, then what hope do you have uh, to, to, you know, gain what, you need in a relationship um, without knowing yourself first. So, uh, you know, the second group of people you or second, you know, skill of communication with, it, it would be with people that you love and choose to spend your time with. Uh, then, then after that, the people you work with. Um, and then if you choose to, if you have any time and you want to, you can bother with other people. But 
um, really it's learning learning that that skill um, and it's it is something that I think for many of the youth today uh, many people period um, it's worth spending some time on and, and learning yes um, no developing communication skills I mean that's an excellent piece of advice for everyone to share because I, I completely agree and it's something that I take to heart and it is a skill that you can develop and the more that you practice it not only with yourself but with others with colleagues with your family loved ones the better it gets because you know if you don't practice communicating then really it just stays the same but I always say I, I think any healthcare professional can relate to yeah. this because yeah. you could have the most knowledge, but if you couldn't communicate it to the patient and they do nothing with it, that's really not on the patient. That's on the healthcare professional and the communication. Yeah, and that's that's where it started. Is where where um, I basically started that journey of learning um, communication is a skill. Is because um, you can you can and this is coaching too. Um, you can know all, everything, but if you can't reach the patient, if you can't reach the athlete, if you can't reach uh, the student, then um, and make that connection um, and and get across the ideas or the information, then what good are you? And so, um, to to any of your listeners that are looking to go into the medical field, um, communication skills are extremely important um, being able to connect with your patients um, is is uh, is is half the battle yes and that everyone take that take notes and write that down because it's something that it won't only make things better and easier for the quality of your life but i think you'll find a lot more fulfillment and enjoyment if you can improve communication and Honestly, it'll make a lot of things better in the world, I think. Yeah. That's that's some great information and words of wisdom. And kind of building off of that, I mean, like you said, you know, you've applied the communication skills to coaching football and everything. And I liked how you shared about having your kids because your kids are growing up too. And I know they're getting to the age where, you know, they're starting to do more activities now and everything. So is there is there any other things that you want to add on for advice to the younger generation besides the communication? But other than that, that was very, very good advice that I think everyone can take um, away. Well, um, I've shared with some of my former, you know, former athletes that are, um, that are, you know, in, in college or in grad school. Um, and I tell them to, really um, understand that and, and take advantage of the fact that at that point of your life, everything, most likely your whole family is, is doing things to give you the opportunity to better yourself. There are not many times in your life where you're going to find everything that you are doing and everything that your family is, is setting up for you to do is really all centered on you just improving yourself. Um, you know, when, when you get to our age, it's, it's more about, um, you know, the family, you know, getting your kids to, to improve and um, uh, making your relationship with your wife uh, improve. And, and it's not just centered around yourself. It's centered around your practice, around your, 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 your employees and, and everything. Um, when you're in college, everything you do, it's all for you. 
So please choose to use that wisely, you know, um, make use of that time. Um, grow. Don't be afraid to, to take chances and, and, and learn. Fail. It's yeah. okay. You know, um, and, and, uh, and see your opportunity in this time as important and make use of it. You know, when, when other people will just kind of flail about and, and just live up the life, um, the choices you make at this time are going to be important and, and make use of the focus and, and the time to grow. Yes. I hope all of the younger generation is listening to all of this because that is, that is so true. I mean, a lot of the choices that you make, I think during that crucial state, uh, crucial time frame in your life, that really sets you up to, you know, make things happen and open up opportunities, open up doors in the future. So I couldn't agree with, with you anymore. And although I don't coach teams or anything like that, you know, every so often you do need to, you know, give some words of wisdom, some advice to some of these athletes, especially when they're going through injuries for me. Um, mm. But even just to train and make the most out of their opportunity, because you don't really get a redo of college. You know, it's that's your opportunity right there. And you just got to make the most of it. Thanks. You shared so many things. Is there anything else that you wanted to include before we kind of close up? No, I just want to say thank you. I mean, uh, I really do appreciate um, all that you did for me and getting me uh, back back to normal and back to uh, uh, the physical activities that I want to do, you know. Um, it, it, uh, it meant a lot to me and it, uh, it's been very helpful. Yes, and it's, it's very rewarding to see you guys make all that progress and get back to all of the things that you love to do and even do it better. And I mean, thank you too. I mean, I always see you at the dental office and everything and it's yeah. it's fun times it usually gets interesting because after my checkup then it's like oh you're doing exercises you're showing me what you can do in a in a i don't know three foot by three foot space um, but it's it's always good to see to see how you guys are progressing and everything and it was it was just great talking today because there's so many overlap with every healthcare profession and i think that's what people need to see is everything works together and you know it helps you to perform at the best level that you possibly can and if anyone else if there's nothing else to take care of this is to go get your dental checkup <laughs> after this because yeah it's very important <laughs> yes but i thank you again for joining us and i know you're very busy and i hope everything clears up soon with the covid19 situation so we all can get back to normal life but thank you so much again and i appreciate it yeah stay safe stay safe